welcome back to the Cybersecurity Evangelist, or TCE for short. What we hope is the cybersecurity podcast for everyone. With cyber being an integral part of nearly every minute in our personal lives, and one of the costs of doing business in today's world, cybersecurity is less about the cyber and more about the people. So on TCE, our goal is to address the human element of cybersecurity and how with proper awareness and a few basic tips, everyone can be more cyber secure. Hi there. Welcome back to the Cybersecurity Evangelist. I'm Jennifer Lynn Walker, your host and hopefully your favorite evangelist. Thanks for tuning in. Yes, I did skip last month. Unfortunately, it wasn't a planned break, but something had to give at the last minute. So there you are. But I'm back this month with another cybersecurity public service announcement for everyone. And it's another travel related theme to the season and all. So last time, so episode 20, uh, last time we talked about um, summer scams and not letting that ruin your vacation plans. This time, I have another topic um, that I wrote for a client to use to share with their users. And I'm not only sharing this one on TCE, but I'm resurrecting it, uh, resurrecting it and using it, reusing it this month in other efforts. So hopefully, uh, folks will find it useful again, especially for those who didn't see it last year. So again, in another kind of travel-related theme, today's topic is who really needs to know when you're OOO. And for those who aren't familiar, OOO has come to mean out of office. So uh, our email clients that have uh, were able to set automatic notifications when we're out of office. Years ago, I started calling it OOO, and I've seen it in other places too. I don't know if it's widely used, but it's used enough that um, you know, so folks are familiar with that. So it could be PTO, but um, it started off as OOO. So out of office. So who really needs to know when you're OOO? And of course, in typical TCE or typical gen fashion for that matter, I love to rhyme. So who really needs to know when you're OOO? So as for out of office replies, uh, kind of the, the premise here is uh, and, and I say unfortunately, but unfortunately as a society, many have this expectation of this instant response, uh, whether it's an email or of course, especially a text message, phone call, whatever that may be. And they lead with that, that the, the de default is I expect an e almost immediate response. And we kind of get a little, I don't know, edgy if we don't hear back right away. Well, I kind of want to kind of going off on a tangent here for a second um, a little, not off topic, but a little bit of a tangent. Um, I actually want to challenge you. Um, I know I've kind of defaulted to, if I don't hear from someone immediately, and not that I expect to, but I certainly if I notice that it's been a few hours, even a day or so, I just kind of automatically default to, you know what, they may be out of office and maybe on vacation or had to be out of office for some reason and aren't able to get back to me. And I make a mental note that I'll look for something the following week. Most people you know, kind of expect people to get back to them immediately. But I want to challenge you to, to consider the same. We, we don't know, especially, you know, more organizations are starting with this unlimited, um, you know, personal time off, unlimited vacation, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, so that may lead to, hopefully, in some cases, more uh, people actually taking advantage of that, being out of office. Now, most people, you know, feel um, obligated to set an out-of-office reply, but 
like I said, I kind of default if I don't hear back from someone, you know, maybe something happened personally and they're, you know, not able to set that and they have to leave, you know, really abruptly to take care of things at home. And quite honestly, that out of office replies are, are not really a priority and that's okay. Um, so if you don't get an instant response, so what? Um, even if it's, if it's urgent, there's probably other ways to get in contact with someone else. Um, but just, you know, your urgency is not someone else's emergency. So I propose that, that the risk to sending blanket out of office, uh, uh, advisories or notices is actually greater than the inconvenience of a delayed response. Now, you know, maybe that delayed response is like five to seven days. Um, you know, and if that's the case, you know, I think again, not, not putting an out of office uh, notification is acceptable. Now, maybe if, if it's an extended out of office where it's maybe two weeks or three weeks, you know, definitely we should take the onus on ourselves to be more diligent about telling, you know, who might need to know that we're not going to be available. So again, that was a little on that tangent of just kind of encouraging folks to not necessarily expect that, um, you know, immediate responses and like take into consideration that people might be out of the office for one reason or another. That's it. Kind of back to the topic, you know, especially with this current environment, we have our thoughts of vacations and holidays or just our general personal time off of work. And that's really stirring, you know, our feelings of anticipation and excitement of the time off to come. And as we're getting ready to leave work behind, you know, we're trying to make sure that all of our ducks are in a row, uh, including advising, of course, our managers and colleagues of our impending time away. But who really needs to know when we're gone and how much information do they really need to know? Now, the same holds true for any out-of-office time, really, including, you know, if you need to go away for business travel, um, you know, especially if we're trying to or going to try to disconnect and immerse ourselves into the task or the event at hand. Uh, but, you know, it's just in general, you know, thinking about our out-of-office time, you know, again, who really needs to know that you're gone and um, what information do they really need to have. So from last time and other times on TCE, we've talked about social engineering and that's the, you know, a human side of cyber and the premise of the cybersecurity evangelist, you know, where we try to provide a little bit of security awareness and, and um, cybersecurity for everyone. So again, in the context of cybersecurity, social engineering, as a reminder, relies on human behavior. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, but human behavior in this case is, you know, our penchant for turning on and making sure we turn on our out-of-office um, notifications. But um, social engineering relies on human behavior to obtain information that could be used to facilitate a cyber attack against us or our colleagues or other contacts, such as family and friends, that could ultimately be used to do harm. Now, again, in the context of our organizations, we're going to talk about this, and then I'm going to try to hit on, you know, kind of things to uh, be careful, you know, just kind of in general for everyone. But let's talk about the risks of sending. Uh, believe it or not, there. think about this, um, you know, kind of fit for thought. Um, I'm not saying it's a bad practice, no one should do it and that kind of thing. But just, uh, you know, there are some risks to sending automatic out of office replies, especially to everyone just kind of blanket. So um, out of office replies can really, depending on what we put in them can provide a plethora of information for scammers. So the out of office replies really can reveal a lot. You know, they reveal whatever we 
we put in them. Then they often include details like the time frame, the duration that we'll be away from work, alternate contacts that can be reached during our absence. Maybe we put in the reason uh, or the location of our expedition. You know, we're, we're going to be on vacation or we're going to such and such a conference or something like that. Um, and maybe, you know, we even include our email signature, which is more, you know, um, you know, more often than not these days. But does everyone really need all of that information? Probably not. Suggest that you save that level of detail, you know, your time frames and alternate contacts and, and things like that um, for, the, for your internal colleagues and, you know, those with a, with a real need to know. Another risk, if you will, about out-of-office notifications is that they erase all doubt. Not maybe not all doubt, but they erase a lot of doubt. So out-of-office replies confirm valid email addresses or the address convention that's used at a particular organization and sometimes the chain of command, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the alternate contacts that can be reached. Sometimes that's a colleague, sometimes that's our supervisor or manager or, uh, you know, boss otherwise. So think about that. So did you know scammers frequently send emails in bulk as an attempt to trigger out-of-office notifications for reconnaissance during times where um, it's customary for us to be out of the office, such as summer and holiday seasons? So think about that. Scammers want to trigger those out of office so they can get the information contained in them and do things like I said, confirm that, hey, this is a valid email address. So instead of you get some spam and instead of if you're sending out of office notifications to everybody, instead of just, hey, I got spam, I'm going to ignore this. You, when you send an automatic out of office, you're now sending a confirmation to a spam message, a scammer, that this is indeed a valid address. And then they have other information, like if they haven't, you know, gotten any information from any other person in your organization, they know what the address convention is. Is it first name, last dot, last name at domain.com? Is it first initial, last name, first initial, middle, and whatever the convention of your email address? And now they can start guessing email addresses for other people in the organization that they could find through LinkedIn or Twitter, probably more like LinkedIn or Facebook, or something like that. So again, erases all doubt, or a lot of doubt. So then malicious actors that are armed with the information and those confirmations that we might, that have may have been provided in the out of office, can then craft those, you know, very convincing social engineering attacks like spear phishing and other financial fraud attempts, um, like requests for uh, diversion or uh, redirection or change of payroll direct deposit or fake invoice payments, uh, wire transfer account changes and things like that. So as an example, if a scammer sends a message and gets you out of office um, and then says, uh, you know, wants to, they're interested in doing a payroll direct deposit change, account information change, they may get that information, get the information that, you know, your, um, you know, the finance people or payroll people or HR, whoever does your uh, payroll and say, hey, you know, I'm out of office and can't be reached, but I really need my direct deposit account information changed as soon as possible. But again, I can't be reached, but I need this done. 
Um, so that that's a great ploy for, you know, where threat actors would do that. And now they've changed your, you know, if, if you don't have the checks and balances in place in your organization and, you know, you're using the sense of urgency, but you can't be reached to confirm or verify. And, um, you know, the, the processes and procedures within the organization aren't followed in so far that, you know, they're not going to do it until they can, you know, get a proof positive confirmation from you and your direct deposit account gets changed to an account that's now in control of, by the, um, scammer. Likewise, you know, those CEO scams that we've talked about as well, you know, that the CEO, you know, says, Hey, I'm out of town. Um, I can't be reached, you know, that same level of kind of um, aloofness, but yet urgency. Um, I need this invoice to be paid immediately to the, here's a new account number. You know, it's that same urgency. I can't be reached, but this needs to get done. So that would be an example of how the confirmation of that, um, not only the confirmation that this is a valid account, a valid person or valid whatever, but also that, hey, well, hey, I'm gone and I'm out of town. Um, and they can use that ploy and kind of scammers can double up. So here are kind of a, I have a few suggestions for managing those out-of-office replies to only those with a need to know. So the first thing to consider is don't send any, none, send nothing, send no auto, automatic out-of-office replies. I know you're probably cringing like, oh, how rude. Well, okay, whatever. Um, personally, I don't send any. So if you do business with me, um, if I haven't had a recent meeting with you and, you know, or a recent contact with you and haven't told you that I am proof positive or that I'm going to be out of the office, um, you may not know if you reach out to me. Uh, but the idea here is you don't, don't necessarily need to send any out of office replies, but communicate these pertinent details with the people who are most likely to contact you while you're away. Um, do that through alternative means such as, you know, individual emails or other messaging or collaboration platforms or, you know, while you're hanging up, getting ready to hang up on a Zoom call um, or even on the telephone. So another option is only send out of office notifications to senders within your organization on your internal domain. So this option, you know, would help serve as a reminder for those you've already told that you're going to be gone and it keeps anything from any of those automatic replies from going to outside threat actors who could then use that information against you. A third option is sent to internal and then some email clients also provide uh, the ability to just to send to contacts that are already in your address book. So you can certainly opt to send out of office emails uh, internally, and then only to senders, external senders that you all, again are already in your contacts. So this option would advise the trusted external partners of your status, but certainly wouldn't divulge the information to unsolicited parties. So in this case, kind of, you know, maybe two, two, two OOOs or two notifications are better than one. I opt for none. Again, I like to just tell who I need to tell and who needs to know. Um, and if, you know, if I miss someone, then, you know, I certainly hope that people understand that people are taking time off. And, um, but I think that the risk, like I said earlier, the risk of sending blanket out of office notifications is greater than the um, delay for, or the, maybe the inconvenience um, for not sending them at all. <clears throat> um, or for the inconvenience, yes, for sending them at all. Sorry about that. So uh, again, 
but I, uh, in lieu of doing none, because I know that probably really, um, you know, uh, offends some people's sensibilities. And I certainly understand that. Um, I'm one to kind of tie up loose ends and, and make sure everything's, um, tied up and, and taken care of before I go out of office. Uh, but that notification just, I tell who needs to know and anything else can wait. But sending two, consider setting, setting up two replies. One for those external senders, which just includes, it, it, it includes just enough to say, hey, I'm, out of, I'm unavailable and my response may be delayed. They don't need to know anything else beyond that. And then include a second one for your internal contacts that would be more detailed about, you know, what your duration, how long you'll be out and, you know, who else to contact on your behalf. Now, those work really good for larger companies. If you work for a larger company, it's probably really good. Uh, if I worked for a larger company or still work for a larger company, I would set an internal out of office, hands down, without question. Um, but the external one, probably not. Um, but here, because I work for a smaller company, it's just easier to tell everybody, um, or smaller companies, it's easier to tell everybody that I'll be out of office. So again, the kind of the things to include for internal senders, um, again, the reason for your absence, the emergency contact number, if it's necessary, or an alternate contact to contact someone else while you're away. And then uh, nice to share what level of response they can expect from you, or if you plan to fully disconnect from work-related activities. So that's all kind of in the business context. Um, but I do, you know, like I said, I try to include a little something for everyone on the cybersecurity evangelist. So kind of, um, you know, from, a, you know, vacations and social media perspective and how we're always hyper-connected and kind of always on and we're never really away, you know, it means a lot of people stay completely connected. And I know a lot of people actually enjoy posting their vacation pictures or their business travel pictures. And that's completely understandable. Um, you know, it's really hard, I think, not to post things these days. And admittedly, I don't post much personal. Um, I, gosh, I haven't even used my personal Twitter account in years. And the, um, you know, my, my Gay15 um, Gay Gen Twitter account, you know, sometimes I'll post a business or some, you know, personal, but it's very, very rare. Most of that account is used just for kind of feeding, um, feeding news stories, um, into a, a publication that I do. Um, so I don't do a lot of personal posting, but that said, it's still kind of fun to watch. You know, of course I follow a lot of cybersecurity people and it's, so it's fun to watch those folks and what they're doing, what they're up to. Um, you know, it feels like, feel like I, you know, know them a little bit. Um, I know I don't, you know, do the same in return, but, um, and that's just, again, that's my personal preference. You know, and as an example, you know, there's a, uh, security or it's kind of, it's a hacker conference, big hacker conference this week. And, you know, it's, it's kind of nice to follow some of those folks and see what they're up to this week. So it's kind of cool what's going on. But, you know, use caution with things like that, like with your location. Um, maybe don't include the duration that you're going to be gone and on vacation um, because the, that information, as I'm kind of alluding to, can be used to craft those convincing, you know, phishing emails to your contacts. And, you know, I, I, 
kind of want to say like all social media is not created equal. Um, and I alluded to it before, I'm not a very social or social media oriented person. So I don't post much anywhere. Um, but you know, whether it's LinkedIn or Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram, Snapchat, Snapchat's different. I think, um, I'm not into Snapchat, but, um, you know, I think you kind of, you know, again, that's kind of, you have to like people and I, I don't know how Snapchat works. I'm just going to shut up now while I'm ahead. But anyway, but all those other, uh, platforms, the four other platforms that I mentioned, um, you know, folks love to post their vacation and other travel photos. And I understand that. And that's perfectly fine. And I'm certainly not telling or saying, oh, you shouldn't do that. Um, I would never say that. Just want to provide the level of awareness that, you know, to use caution, use good judgment. I kind of have three uh, three points to make here as we start to close up. But use, just use good judgment. Think twice about the message that your pictures are conveying or the information that they contain. Make sure they're not too revealing. Um, second, consider posting most of the more descriptive pictures when you return to your normal routine. And while, you know, posting all of your vacation photos could still be used to gather information against you, you know, about your interests or, you know, what you did, what you did last summer or whatever, um, it's less likely that a scammer is going to use that ploy in real time, you know, kind of like I used the example earlier that, hey, I'm on vacation, I can't be reached, um, but I need this, you know, direct deposit account number changed kind of thing. You know, if you're back into your normal routine, then, you know, that person that processes your payroll is going to know, wait, that's not right. They're, you know, they're definitely, they're here. So, um, you know, this is, this must be a scam and they're going to validate that. So again, consider posting those pictures, a lot, most of them, when you get back into your normal routine. And the last one, most importantly, I think, and this is what TCE is really all about, is just to be aware. You know, awareness and understanding are half the battle. Uh, but be aware that what you post could be used to personalize a spear phishing attack, an email, a smishing, you know, the SMS phishing on your smartphones, or a phone call or something like that. Um, but it can be used to personalize a phishing attack against you or your contacts, said your family, friends, or colleagues. So use good judgment. Think twice about the message, you know, the, what, you're, what you're posting and the information. Consider posting, kind of holding off and posting those more descriptive pictures when you return to your normal routine. So they, that whole out of office, um, incommunicado can't be used against you. And again, most importantly, just, just understand and be aware that the more you post online, the more information can be gleaned about you in order for scammers to build convincing phishing attacks and phishing emails. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of TCE and learned more about travel-related risks. It sounds crazy that you know, we go on you know, travel, we go on holiday, we go on vacation, and we have to be concerned about all these cybersecurity things. Um, this time, uh, you know, we talked about the concerns regarding out-of-office time and how to protect yourself. Um, as always, I hope you check out the Gate 15 family of podcasts. You can always find one of us throughout the month between Dave Pounder and his nerd out security panel discussion, Andy Jabor with the Gate 15 interview, myself, yours truly on TCE, and most of the time you can catch all three of us on the Risk Roundtable, at least when I'm not taking some R&R. &R. That said, I do want to thank Ben Taylor for filling in for me this 
this month on the Risk Roundtable. Um, if you missed this episode of the Risk Roundtable, um, Ben is the Executive Director of the Cannabis ISEL. Yes, you heard me right. G15 is incubated, yes, pun intended, <laughs> an information sharing and analysis organization for the cannabis industry. And if you missed this month's Risk Roundtable, or any prior appearances that Ben has had with Andy or Dave, um, the Cannabis ISAL's mission is to be the industry's primary resource for information on physical threats, cyber threats, as well as natural threats and risks, and then be able to provide mitigation um, advice. And their continued mission is to help the industry grow <clears throat> its resiliency against all forms of hazards, whether, again, like I said, cyber criminals, physical attacks, or natural disasters. So, again, I want to thank you, Ben Taylor, for filling in for me admirably, uh, probably better. It was probably more of a fun episode. Admittedly, I haven't listened to it yet, so I need to do that. Uh, that's next up. So, um, and to everyone else, thank you for listening to the Cybersecurity Evangelist. I'm Jennifer Lynn Walker. Until next time. And with Cybersecurity Awareness Month quickly approaching in October, I encourage you to do your part, be cyber smart. And remember, not everyone needs to know when you're OOO. The Cybersecurity Evangelist is a Gate 15 production. Please visit the Gate 15 podcast channel for more. Our full podcast lineup includes the Risk Roundtable, the Cybersecurity Evangelist, Nerd Out Security Panel Discussion, and the Gate 15 Interview.